Thank you, Roger Mulkey. That was wonderful. Yeah. I know that took a lot of preparation. That was that was really wonderful. Let us pray. Lord, as we enter this time where your word is to be read and to be proclaimed, we ask that you bless the proclamation of it and that you bless the hearing of it. And we ask that your words will stir within us something deep, something that moves us and moves us closer to you. We ask that you, by the power of your spirit, awaken us to some truth that you have in store in mind for us today and that we receive it and will be blessed by it. Bless this time that we have in your presence and in the presence of each other. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. The scripture this morning comes from the book of Psalms. Chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The past few weeks we've been talking about what it means to live true in a world of lies. We've been looking at things that the world says or things that the culture says that are deceptive. Things that we could easily buy into and could lead us astray. We've been taking those things and we've been comparing them to what scripture has to say. And we've been seeing that a lot of the prevailing thought and wisdom that the world offers isn't biblical at all. And so we are trying to align ourselves rather with, than, than with what the world thinks, trying to align ourselves with what God says through his, world, uh, through his word. Today we're not going to be talking about a, a specific slogan or catchphrase or, or lie necessarily that the world pushes. But what we're going to talk about is a very um, attitude that is rooted in deception that is, uh, is sort of an epidemic among us. It's an epidemic in the world and it, it can uh, influence us as well. And that attitude is one of boredom. One that we have uh, knowledge at our disposal, we have um, information at our disposal, we have the ability to solve the mysteries of the universe, and so now all we're doing is kind of sitting back and learning and being entertained. And this, as I said, is not a specific um, phrase that's being uttered at us from the secular culture, but it is a prevailing attitude. It's one where we have lost wonder. We have lost the ability to be amazed by things or to be in awe of things. 
And of course, if we lose our ability to be amazed and to be in awe, then we lose our ability to worship God with our whole hearts. G.K. Chesterton once said that the world will never starve for want of wonders, but only for want of wonder. There are no dreary sights, only dreary sightseers. In other words, there will always be things to be amazed at, but we might not have people around who are amazed by them. Why is that? Where is the wonder? Why have we lost the ability to wonder and stand in amazement in the world that God created? I'm not really sure. But what it has done is it has crippled us in many ways, spiritually and, and just as people. Uh, it's, it's crippled our ability uh, to see God in the, wor- in the world around us. It's affected our relationship with God because uh, we can't see where God is like we normally would if we were living our lives in awe or in wonder. You see, when we are mindful of God's presence, when we are mindful of God's creation, whether it's through nature, through the, through the birds, the trees, the skies, the stars, or whether it's through other people that God created, when we are mindful of God's handiwork, we will never cease to be amazed at the way God is working through that. We will never be uh, um, bored. We will never be... Uh, apathetic to the way that God is moving in the world around us. But if we are bored, if we lose our sense of wonder, then we fail to see how God is working in us, how he's working around us, how he's working through the people and the circumstances around us, because we're just simply not looking. And if we lose our sense of wonder, we lose our sense of appreciation for what God has done within us. When God changes us, when God uh, pours out his love and mercy on us, when through his grace he shapes our heart into something new and he makes us a new creation. If we lose our sense of wonder and amazement over that, then we cannot possibly understand how God is working in the world. And when we lose sight of how God is working in the world, we lose our own sense of purpose. Our lives start to become dull, routine, meaningless because if we can't see how God is working and what God is doing then we can't join in with him we can't become a part of his plan if we fail to see what he is doing and so one thing that we have to ask ourselves is what does our life feel like does our life feel like a journey does our life feel like we are are moving along on this journey with God and we are seeing miraculous things along the way Or does our life feel more like we are just walking on a treadmill, staring at the same thing over and over again? Or perhaps we feel like a hamster on a wheel, just running and getting nowhere, day after day after day. That's what life will feel like if we don't see God around us. And we lose our sense of purpose. It feels mundane. It feels meaningless and dull, routine, because we can't join in with what God is doing. And then when that happens, it robs us of our joy. We can't live a joyful life if we feel like life is just a rut, like it's just a routine that we keep doing. But God is trying to make it known all around us that He is present, that He is active. The psalm that we just read said, The heavens 
declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And the psalmist goes on to talk about the tent, uh, or the sun being like uh, a bridegroom going into his tent and returning and coming back out. And, and so we see that God is giving us these signs all through nature, not just through nature, but also through each other. Yet we so often miss them because we've lost our sense of wonder. Now, if God's power and if God's ability, his creativity, if God's uh, presence is available all around us, how is it that we miss it? John Calvin uh, once said that we, we have the ability, everyone is born with the ability to see God in nature. However, we can't come to that ability because of our own sin. We can only come to that ability when we spend time with God, when we, when we get into the Scriptures. And then once we are in the Scriptures, we become aware of our own sin, we become aware of our fallen nature, and then we become aware of God, and we know God, and then we can see God through nature and through what He is doing and the people around us and the, our circumstances. We can be, but we can't do any of that if we don't spend time with God. We can't. Now, everything today is bigger, flashier, faster, newer. That's how the world markets to us. Everything has to be better than it once was. And so it seems like we're almost bored with it all. We can't be impressed anymore. But really, if you get down to it, you, you have to ask yourself, are we trying to distract ourselves from something? If we're always trying to get on to the next thing, the newest, the fastest, the best thing, what is it that we are trying to pull ourselves away from? What is it that we are trying to distract ourselves from? And I think that that word is simply mystery. We don't like mystery. We don't like not knowing in a day of information, a day where you can Google anything that you want to know and find it out just like that, we don't like the feeling of not knowing. And see, a relationship with God is based on us not knowing. Because it's based on faith, it's based on trust, it's based on us acknowledging that God is mysterious, that God knows more than we do, and God has a plan that we cannot see, and we have to step into that. We have to live into that. But yet, we don't. So often we run from mystery. We run from the unknown because we've gotten so used to being able to find out everything for ourselves. But we should never run away from mystery. Einstein once said that the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. And he said that because when you, when you step into the mysterious, when you step into the unknown, that's when you can explore. That's when you can really seek out what is genuine and what is real. And it's the same thing in our relationships with God. If we step into the mysterious, if we are willing to step into those moments of silence, those moments of, of, of uh, things that we just don't understand, when we step into God's presence and we don't understand it, that's when we can come to know God. And God can allow us to come to know ourselves. But so often we withdraw from mystery. And unfortunately when we do, we withdraw from God. 
Now, the term mystic, I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, a lot of times we think of a mystic as somebody, you know, maybe from an Eastern religion or a pagan religion, and you hear the term, uh, and, and a lot of strange things might come to mind. When you hear mystic, you might think of candles or incense or meditation or, or some, something strange. But in reality, the definition of a mystic is someone who is not content to have a second-hand encounter with God but desires a direct, unmediated experience with God. By that definition, in that sense, we should all strive to be mystics. We should all be striving to have a first-hand encounter with God rather than just rely on the second-hand information or second-hand experience told to us by someone else. We must strive for first-hand experiences with God, and we can only do that by living our lives in wonder and being willing to step into the mysterious. That's done in the still, quiet moments. The psalm that says, be still and know that I am God. You can't know God until you are first still. It can't be done. If we are distracted, if we are looking at a million different things, running a million different directions, and we have all these things on our mind, it is impossible for us to know God, because God wants us to be still, to stop, and to spend that time in His presence, just knowing who He is and that He is with us. The Grand Canyon is one of the uh, wonders of the world. And uh, John Muir, one of the first people to, to see it, said, No matter how far you have wandered hitherto, or how many famous gorges and valleys you have seen, this one, the Grand Canyon of the Colorados, will seem as novel to you, as unearthly in the color and grandeur and quantity of its architecture, as if you had found it after death or on some other star. In other words, the Grand Canyon to him was, was almost supernatural. He said, if, if this was something you stepped into heaven and saw, you could not be more impressed than looking at it today. There's a story of a princess who saw the Grand Canyon for the first time in the 18th century. When she saw it, she shrieked because she couldn't believe that it was real. It was so magnificent and so marvelous to her. But today we live completely different lives. And I have a pastor friend who told the story of a daughter who went to see the Grand Canyon with a, a group of people the whole time she was there, she was texting. She was talking to her, her brothers, her friends, her, her parents. And finally, her dad asked her, well, well, how's the Grand Canyon? And she responded, not really impressed. If you've seen one hole in the ground, you've seen them all. Her dad responded, every day is not a spectacular, life-changing moment. Right now, put your phone away and enjoy the journey. You see, sometimes we have Grand Canyons right in front of us. Beautiful things, God-shaped things right in front of us that we can't see because we're distracted on our journey. And sometimes we have to put those things away and focus on the journey, focus on the beauty of God's presence and what He is trying to reveal toward us or to us. 
Now, I don't want to get off on a tangent about cell phones. I have a smartphone myself, and, and it comes in handy. I mean, I use it to stay in touch with the church when I'm uh, on campus in Atlanta. I use it to stay in touch with, with my family, and, and, uh, and they're wonderful inventions. But I'm afraid that so often we become reliant on instant communication or on in, instant knowledge that we miss those moments of wonder, those moments of stillness, those moments of silence. And I confess now there are times where I know there is a moment where I could have spent in silence and stillness knowing God, but instead I pull out the cell phone and I just start mindlessly looking at it. And that's what we do. God has has ordained and appointed these times in our day, throughout our day and in our lives, where we can stop and just rest in Him and see Him and speak to Him and know that He is present. But yet we fill those moments. We have this tendency to fill those moments up with something meaningless. And that's why we're bored. That's why we've lost our sense of wonder. And that's why so often we can't see God at work in the world around us. But He's there. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. When was the last time you stopped and looked around at God's creation? When was the last time you saw other people as part of God's creation? When was the last time that you intentionally left moments blank during the day and allowed that time to become an encounter with God? Not a second-hand encounter, but a real, first-hand, unmediated experience with God. Be still and know that He is God. The signs are all around us. And if we live our lives in boredom, we will miss it, and we will have no joy, no passion, no purpose. But if we embrace the journey, if we embrace the mystery and embrace the times of stillness and quiet, and unknowing, then maybe we can recover that sense of wonder. Maybe we can rediscover what it means to worship God with our whole hearts, our thoughts, and our minds. God is everywhere. Let's don't miss it. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you are everywhere. You are among us, you are beside us, behind us, before us, within us. You are at work all around us. You invite us to join in, to join you in that work. We confess that so often we miss that. We miss the invitation because we are not living our lives in wonder. Open our hearts, Lord, open our eyes. Illuminate our vision, illuminate the world around us so that we can see you. And Lord, we ask that you give us moments throughout the day where we can simply be still and know that you are God. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is This is My Father's World, hymn number 144 in the United Methodist Hymnal. Uh, I invite and encourage you, if you've made a decision of any type today, to come forward as we sing. Uh, Please stand if you are able, hymn number 144.